Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Daily Diatribe. This is the 20th daily episode of the Daily Diatribe, coming to you on April 1st. Uh, just before we get started here, I have two history facts. One is related to the song you just heard, Die Zauberflaute, or The Queen of the Night, from Mozart's, uh, from Mozart. And he, according to uh, Brian Murphy, wrote this aria for his sister-in-law, whom he hated because he knew it would be nearly impossible to sing which is what happened when it premiered, and it damaged her reputation so badly that she could never really perform again. And that, that's, that's really something. And the other one is the origin of April Fool's. And I, I would like to ask, actually ask my co-host, Red, here tonight, what she thinks the origin of April Fool's is. Or just a, any wild guess. Like, what, what like time period do you think April Fool's was, you know, thought of in? I think, like... Medi like the medieval times? Uh, I, I will give you that. It was the medieval times. It was in uh, 13... It was. You got it. So, 1392. Uh, we've had April Fool's Day since 1392. When Chaucer, in the Canterbury Tales, and some story about a nun, wrote about some sort of day of pranking and tomfoolery that occurred on March the 32nd. Uh... March the 32nd, which we have interpreted today as, you know, April 1st. So that's just a little bit of history tonight before we get into our main topics. So I know you haven't watched it yet, but you should. And I've only watched the first episode and a half or episode and three quarters of the new Netflix TV show Tiger King about uh, Joe Exotic, the owner of a private zoo and some other people in that kind of big cat industry. And uh, this lady named Carolyn Baskin, who is an opponent of those people. And minor political parties. Now, one may wonder, actually, how this these two topics tie together. Uh, but there's actually something really good. And I want to know if you knew this. Joe Exotic actually ran for president. What? In 2016. Because I, I got to tie these two topics together. And this is what I found out. Joe Exotic ran for president of the United States in the year 2016, I believe. Uh and now he's in prison. Uh, but yeah, Joe Exotic ran for president. Now, let's see if I can find the ad, because I will play the ad if I find it. But just actually, let me, I found the ad. Let me, let me see if I can play it for everybody. Let me see. Today, this is not going out to any kind of a presidential candidate or any politician. The purpose of this video today is to let you know who I am. First thing is, I am not cutting my hair. I'm not changing the way I dress. I refuse to wear a suit. I am gay. I've had two boyfriends most of my life. I currently got legally married. Thank God it's finally legal in America. I've had some kinky sex. I have tried drugs through the younger years of my life. I am broke as shit. I have a judgment against me from some bitch down there in Florida. But I can tell you, I paid a fine with the USDA, and that is nothing but a civil fine, ladies and gentlemen. This that is this is a presidential ad, by the way. You're convicted of any kind of oh, animal boy. cruelty thing. I built one of the biggest facilities and the nicest facility for exotic animals in this country, as far as a private individual goes. I'm Joe Exotic, and don't forget, I am now stepping my foot in the ring to run for president. And this is all paid for by the committee of Joe Exotic for america so yes he is running for president or he ran for president uh 
he also came to um our neighboring town, which is crazy. Really? Yeah. Tell, tell, me, tell, me, me, a little, um, tell me a little bit more about that. I, I want to know that because I've never met or even been near any of that kind of thing. So tell me all about it. Fill me in. Oh, so, um, my dad told me in uh 2006, uh he came to um uh the mall uh in that town, which is near where I live. And that's really all I know, but um, that was kind of anticlimactic. <laughs> Regardless, it's, it's still strange. You know, he, he ran for president, and honestly, it surprises me that he didn't get the Libertarian nomination. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's two, the, the two top comments, or the three top comments, I'm going to read them. I'm going to read them because they, I think that they encapsulate, like, the three views of Joe Exotic perfectly. One of them is from around that time of the election, and it says... Well, he isn't the worst candidate. Oh. Yeah, that was the, that's the top comment on the video by double the amount of likes than the other comments. So that's, how, that's really how people felt in 2016. Uh, and then the other one is from the next top comment is actually from five days ago uh, because of this new Netflix series. Uh, it's just dropping by to say Carol killed her husband and Carol Baskin is the woman that he was, you know, pinned against in this kind of Netflix drama because she uh didn't like private tiger parks even though she owns a private tiger park she was just kind of put herself above everybody else but then you know counterpoint uh apparently well right now joe exotic is serving a prison sentence for ordering a hit on her so uh shouldn't do that either uh yeah and then the third top comment is you know who's here after watching tiger king and that that's kind of you know that's kind of how it works but I think that I, I just needed to find a way to encapsulate both, you know, both topics tonight in one sort of, uh, I guess, six-minute diatribe now, just for the for the, <laughs> for the show. Uh, and at, uh, the top news article in relation to that, by the way, th- this is I'm gonna go on another little diatribe. I hate one thing. So, are you? Do you know the word Quixotic? Uh, yeah, in reference to uh, Don Quixote. Yes. Uh, and a common thing to do is if you've never heard of Don Quixote, to pronounce it quixotic, which... I'm guilty of that. Irks me. Uh, it's fine if you know Don Quixote, because that just means you're pronouncing it wrong, but you know the origin. Yeah. Uh, and if you well, don't... before I knew the origin. And if you don't know Don Quixote, please don't use the word quixotic, because this Politico <laughs> headline... Pronounces it quixotic because it's a political headline oh. that talk, is talking about both Joe Biden and Joe Exotic, and it says Joe Exotic meets Joe Quixotic. That's the rhyme, but it's it's really Joe Exotic meets Joe Quixote, which doesn't rhyme. Uh, so Politico or Real Clear Politics, step it up. Uh, either way, you better. Uh, so we will actually move on to the second topic first. You know, as as we are guilty of doing here on the Daily Diatribe. Uh, I will now, we're going to talk about minor political parties. So I know this is something we've talked about before. And the first minor political party, we're going to go, we're going back in American history, uh, to like the beginning of the country. And one of the first, uh, third parties in America, I'm trying to find it, is the Anti-Masonic Party. Uh, have you ever heard of the Anti-Masonic Party? Because it's a, it's a weird one. I had to dig back a little bit to find it. 
I've I'm not familiar with them, but I'm going to guess that they're against the Freemasons. Exactly. They were really, really, I am really, on a roll. they were really against the Freemasons. And I just thought it was funny. Uh, and there were all sorts of, you know, third party candidates throughout history. One of my favorite, uh, you know, third party candidate stories that we're going to go through the list now to near the beginning of the country is we find out that in the like third not not third or fourth let me find it i I don't remember which presidential election this was i know the year it was 1808 so in 1808 we still had that weird system i'm 99 percent sure that we still had that weird system yeah we had that system for a while that weird system where the person who got second place became vice president uh so what would happen is they would try to arrange, so they would make a ticket, a ticket of a president, the vice president, and they'd make sure that at least one less person voted for the vice presidential candidate than the presidential candidate, or else it would be tied. And between the president and the vice presidential candidate, which would just be kind of awkward. Uh, they eventually fixed that uh, after a certain point, but they would kind of try to arrange that. And... The first major third-party performance I will take note of is not really a third-party performance at all. It is takes place in the wacky election of 1824, where all four candidates for president were members of the same party. Well, there you go. It, I mean, it's certainly a strategy to assert power, but it's because the Federalist Party died. The Federalist Party became very unpopular after a little thing called the Hartford Convention, Uh because they just seemed like out of touch elitists because they were out of touch elitists. The interesting thing, though, is in the presidential election of 1820, uh, the state of Massachusetts, which loved the Federalist Party, despite the Federalist Party not having fielded a candidate, voted for the Federalist Party anyways. Uh, Massachusetts. They weren't on the ballot, and they didn't have a candidate. But six... I, I, I admire their determination. But sixty. 60- Eight percent of the Massachusetts voters went and voted for the Federalist Party, anyways. <laughs> they were like, "No, I, I refuse to vote for the Democratic vote. I'm just writing in Federalist angrily on this slip card of paper." Uh, and the next election, 1824, we it, it goes. Uh, Massachusetts decides to go to John Quincy Adams, who is a Democratic Republican but is basically a Federalist. Uh, I like to imagine during like the that election, they just write. Federalist and then a little angry face. Federal, yeah, a little angry face. This is why is there no Federalist candidate? Uh, and they, so they, they tried. They attempted to vote Federalist. Then in 1824, you remember the corrupt bargain and all that, but the first real, I would say, major third-party candidate was a two two guys right here, one named John Floyd uh, mm-hmm. and one named William Wart. Uh, so William Wart. William Wart. William Wart. might be Wart, but uh, William Wart was part of the anti-Masonic party. And John Floyd was a part of the Nullifier Party. And so the Nullifier Party was just mad. They were like, no, we don't, you know, they wanted more decentralization. They wanted more, uh, not freedom, but more states' rights. And, you know, that was, you know, remember John C. Calhoun? That was John C. Calhoun and his and his buddies. Uh, and then, of course, you had William Wirt, who was just basically like, there are Freemasons in our government, and I want to get rid of the Freemasons. Uh, you know, luckily enough for uh, Wirt, he actually won 
a single state, which is better than most third-party candidates can say. He won Vermont, weirdly enough. The people of Vermont were just completely fed up with Freemasons in the government. And they just said, you know what, no more, you know, no more Freemasons. And they voted for him. Uh, and now we get to the worst election strategy in history. So you know how in a, you know, a two-party election with the instant runoff vote, if if you run two candidates of the same party, you're basically going to lose, right? Yeah. So the Whig party had the brilliant strategy of running four candidates all at the same time. Well, I mean, of course, if two doesn't work, then four must work good. Exactly. Because so, that's how that works. So naturally, you, so naturally, you assume that, you know, they won on a landslide. Not really. Uh they lost, and actually all of their vote totals combined was still less than 50%. Oh, man. Uh, which I thought is just kind of embarrassing. Obviously, they had a state-by-state -state strategy, only like one on each ballot of each state. But I'm, I'm sure that must have been confusing. You know, you'd pass from Kentucky to uh, Tennessee, and you'd have different presidential candidates on the ballot. I'm sure that that was a little confusing. Yeah. Uh, Especially because, like, the states were completely at random. Or not completely at random, but mostly at random. And it was just too much, too much. Then we get to the wonderful uh, Nothing Happened in 1840. Henry Harrison wins. Nothing Happens in 44. Uh, but then we actually get, in 1848, uh, something I call the first vanity run. Where a former president runs for president as a third party. Just as a kind of, you know, screw you guys. Uh, and this was, and this is personally hurts us because Lewis Cass almost became the first president from Michigan. Oh, so close. However, however, Martin Van Buren was mad at him. And so Martin Van Buren ran third party and actually in some states did really well. He got 10% overall. And in some states, he, I mean, Wisconsin, for example, he pulled 26, which is, you know, pretty good for a third party candidate. And in a state like Michigan, Lewis Cass's home state, he actually pulled 15%. So, ah, vanity, uh. vanity, vanity. Uh, then, of course, you know, you have a little quiet. And then there's Miller Fillmore, who does the same thing as Van Buren did. He's mad at his party, so he runs. And then, But, you know, off of the history kind of thing, there's a lot of interesting third parties in the modern day. Uh my favorite of these third party, actually not favorite, because I, I don't I don't really agree with everything they say, but this isn't really a third party. This is just a single guy whose name is Jack Fellier. Have you ever heard of Jack Fellier? I have not. Jack Fellier was the nominee of the Prohibition Party in the year 2012. <laughs> in 2012? They're, yeah, they're still around. They're still around. He is 88 years old, and he has run for president in every single election since 1988. Oh, man. He has seven children, and he does not own a computer. <laughs> I, it, it is truly something to read about him. He failure not, uh, has formally campaigned for president of the United States. Every presidential election since 88 is the Republican Party. He asserts on his campaign website, which he has other people do, that his platform is to replace the Constitution with the King James Bible. Uh, oh, boy. Uh, he has a, a an interesting view of America's ills, which he says he blames on atheists, Marxists, liberals, uh, some other things uh, <laughs> that I won't say. Uh, 
1992, he ran in the West Virginia primaries and spent, or not West Virginia, he spent went in the New Hampshire, West Virginia, and Kansas Republican primaries. Uh, he had spent forty thousand dollars. I don't know why. Uh, but he received a whopping thirty-six votes in New Hampshire. So, good for him. He also blamed things on the Marxist New World Order agenda. No, as you do. However, he didn't go away. He appeared on the primary ballot in Puerto Rico uh, and got 34 votes. So, you know. It's a non-zero number. It is a non-zero number. However, he barely did better in Idaho. He wasn't on the ballot in Idaho, but apparently somebody had heard of him and wrote him in. One person? Yeah, one person in the entire state of Idaho. Uh, He actually did. In interest, uh, he tried to get the nominee of the Prohibition Party at the National Convention, and he actually got nominated on the second ballot. Uh, and he actually beat out, and this is probably a bad idea. So the Prohibition Party has actually had an elected official in this century. Whoa, that's crazy. He uh, it was it, well, he wasn't like president or anything, but he was a tax assessor for Thompson Township in Fulton County, Pennsylvania. For eight years. Uh, but he, he, he got it on a technicality. Like he was the only one running for Thompson County tax assessor. (laughs) So he actually got the nominations of the Republican democratic and prohibition parties. Uh, I'm not sure which version of him won actually, because even though he's a nominee of all three parties, I'm pretty sure he might appeal on the ballot, appear on the ballot three times. Uh, very strange. But before that, the last elected prohibition uh, elected officials were 1959. It it was very, very, very strange. But either way, uh, Jack Fellier ended up winning that nomination, and he got 518 votes, which is bigger than his grand total of like 70-something before. And he was only on the ballot in Louisiana. That's really the only thing I have to say about Jack Fellier. Uh, apparently, apparently, according to the Prohibition Party website, he is a reverend now. Uh, I, it's not on his Wikipedia page. Uh, I don't really know what else to say about Mr. Monsieur Jack Fellier, if I was going to put it in French. And of course, now is time to mention the... Possible. I'm actually looking on his Twitter. He has 36 followers, uh, which is more than more than we do, but still not that many. Uh, <laughs> when was his last tweet? His last tweet was in 2019, so I guess he's not doing much these days. Uh, he, interestingly enough, though, is really anti-Trump because apparently somebody did give him a Twitter. Uh, so this is this has been interesting. His tweets, uh, he's really anti-Trump, which I thought was kind of interesting. But I guess so. He is anti-Trump because you know I guess he's technically running against Trump in the Republican primaries that aren't really happening. Uh, it's it's honestly very strange. It's very 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 strange. His whole. And uh, another interesting fact is the animal of the Prohibition Party is a camel. 
a very bad pun on having a, a dry county. Get it? Uh, but finally, I don't... time for the, yes. the, you know, the crowning, the two crowning candidates for any third party nomination. One being Vermin Supreme, the man who wears a boot on his head. And, guy! and the other being Jimmy McMillan of the Rent is Too Damn High party. I love that guy! Uh, I, actually, let, 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 let's take a little clip of Jamie McMillan. I, I, found, I found John him. King, USA, CNN, weeknight, 7 Eastern. It's a clip from CNN. Pete Dominic with me here in the Matrix. Uh, you going to levitate for me? I can. I can. Does you it, know, is it working? You know, there are, there the are, there yeah, are no. winners in campaigns. There are losers in campaigns. You spent some time out on the street with a guy who is going to lose. He's not going to be the next governor of New York, but <laughs> he has made a key point. Way to stay optimistic. To Mr. Rent's too damn high. Here's Jimmy McMillan. The rent is too damn high. That's I agree. Right. I thank agree. You thank you so much. Yeah, well, you don't have to thank me. We're all New Yorkers. We're all in this together. But yeah. let's clear this up. I've got conflicting news reports here about what you said and what you haven't said, what is true and what is not true. Tell the me. New York Times, the, a, the, the Associated Press. Do you or do you not pay rent in your home right now? Yes all all no? the farm children in the state of New York that have no place to stay and all the mothers are getting evicted right now, for them, I would say we pay rent. And they don't pay rent. Which one do you want to talk about? Me or I want would, to talk about them? I, I would like to talk about you. Because this campaign is, is about them, not me. Rent is too damn high, whisper and my, there's nothing else to talk about. Whisper in my ear. In my ear. Just tell me. Whisper in my ear. Jimmy, please. Jimmy. Jimmy, wait. Rent is too damn high. Just, these just, people are suffering day and night. And I'll be doggone if I'm going to let you come and ask me a question about me when these people can't afford to pay I their rent. I understand. They cannot afford to pay their rent. They cannot afford to pay their rent. They cannot afford to pay their rent. Saying your campaign is about the rent being too high. You're talking exactly. Because my brother cannot, my family, even my children. The goalposts, every child, the every child, the every rent child. is too damn high. I agree with Jimmy. I quit. I'm out of here. The rent is too damn high. You know what? That's right. Jimmy, you're right. Rent. Back to I you, John stay. King. Not gonna Back to you. Back to you, John King. The rent is too damn high. Let's go. That bomb here. The rent is too damn high. The rent is too I would like to note that at a certain point in the segment, he started strangling the CNN anchor. Oh, no. Uh, I don't think it was a forceful strangle, but it was definitely a little bit of a strangle. So as you can see, I I suppose so. But as you can see, Jimmy McMillan was battling uh, the rent being too damn high, despite maybe not paying rent, but whatever. It's too high. You know, I, I am definitely a fan of Jimmy McMillan because I would say that that is supremely, supremely entertaining. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think he's he's probably got a point there. He's probably got a point there, but he's got to be, yeah, you know, I'm just going to say that. He, he's got a point. He's got a point. The, pre- the rent probably is too high. The rent probably is too high, and somebody probably should lower that. And the other guy is, of course, the wonderful, the infamous... Vermin Supreme. Uh, and actually, I do have a wonderful clip of Vermin Supreme that I'm going to deploy. And he's singing a song to the tune of the chicken dance. Uh, <laughs> and this is not a joke. And this man is running for president as a libertarian. He's in second place right now. Very real shot. Second closing statement, please. This is a closing statement at a presidential debate in New Hampshire. 
My name is Vermin. My name is Vermin. Vermin Supreme. My name is Vermin. My name is Vermin. My name is Vermin. Vermin. Vermin Supreme. And you can vote. And you can vote. And you can vote for me for president if you want to. And uh, and my name is Vermin. And um, okay, thanks very much for coming out today. Oh, one one more thing. And he proceeds to dump glitter on Randall Terry. Oh, boy. Uh, on a glitter bomb, which is an unrelated note, because the point was just the song, but I thought it, I thought it deserved mentioning. Uh, but yes, uh, Vermin Supreme is known for his key campaign platform policies of a free pony, free universal ponies for everybody, even if you're allergic, uh, a, a mandatory toothbrushing law, uh, which is also something. And there, there's there's one more thing, and I can't remember it, but, you know, he wears a boot on his head. So that, that's probably the most memorable thing about him. He has competed in presidential elections for a very long time, and he is now in the Libertarian primary where he is beating, no joke, by the way, he is beating right now a former governor. The former governor that. of Rhode Island is currently losing to a man who wears a boot on his head. Along with oh, that, man. the founder of McAfee Security, you know the software on your computer that you get that doesn't work? Yeah. Yeah, the founder of that is also losing to Vermin Supreme. Uh, the man who has a campaign song that goes to the tune of the chicken dance. Uh, I, I don't really know what to say. I don't really know what to say other than that. However, it's finally time to turn to... Did you have your first Zoom classes yet? No. Our school hasn't done that yet. So I have joined my school's Zoom class, and I have I've committed a grave sin of Zoom. Uh, so what my, did you do? My, my teacher told me that if... that we should, you know, come up with an idea how to use our time that would be really effective... And I sent him an email expecting him to respond no, okay? Uh, because, you know, this is a terrible idea, but it would be really fun, you know what I mean? But it's a ter- it's a bad idea, right? And it's a yeah. massive time investment. I, I, text, I emailed my teacher, and I'm actually really glad he said yes, but it's, I said, I've authored this email to offer a terrible way. So, and the subject line was terrible idea. So it cannot be said <laughs> that I did not give sufficient warning. And I started, I authored this email to offer a terrible way to use the class time. So full disclosure, right off the top of my head, I said that we should do a simulation of the Russian revolution. Each person gets a group or a person. They have to do reading about that person. There's a timeline. And this this is where the work comes in. This is where my classmates might hate me. I said the group or person shall submit up to 200 words of a course of action every day. Isn't that great? Oh, man. And I said this does have the potential to, uh, to dissolve into an alternate Russian civil war. And his response email was even better. Uh, oh, <laughs> It, it said, not bad, exclamation point, which is, you know, on, on alone. And then the next line is, it could indeed devolve into a bloodbath. Bwah, ha, 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 two exclamation points. Uh, the next paragraph I won't read in total, but it includes the words. And I'll just give out a context because it's worse out of context. Chocolate factory, 
uh, fictitious characters, Yagada, uh, secret aspect, Bolshevik power struggle, uh, <laughs> NKVD, which is the Russian secret police, and getting shot in Lubyanka prison or sent to a gulag after a show trial. Oh, no. And the, and the paragraph concludes, great fun. <laughs> and then it, it ends, and the last word is, I'll see what I can write up. So I did not expect him to even entertain this idea. He said bad idea, and he said not bad. Yes, bad. Uh, I'm actually really looking forward to it. <laughs> it it's ridiculous how much I'm actually looking forward to this. Like, <laughs> additionally, I'd actually like to read this because in, in the vein of April Fool's Day, uh, this, this is actually great. Uh, the director of my school had to write, I write to correct some misinformation that had been circulating as a part of an, quote, April Fool's Day joke on Facebook Uh-oh. to the effects that my school would be suspending academic programs for the remainder of the year and require all students to repeat their current grades starting in the fall. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> and I, I gotta say, I love that my school, number one, did that, but I also think terrible timing. Absolutely terrible oh. timing. This is not a good April Fool's Day, you know what I mean? Yeah. Not a great April Fool's Day, in all honesty. Not... Not, not, not the right moment. Not the right time. This is not the right. This is not the right March thirty second. Uh, <laughs> either way, back to the second main point: the Joe Exotic fellow, who number one ran for president, but he owns the largest collection of private tigers in North America. Okay. And th- this is the big debate. Okay, so there's this lady named Carol Baskin in Florida. And he lives in Oklahoma. But the big kind of debate is, is it moral to own tigers? And Joe Exotic is basically saying, yes, because when I show the tigers to people, they suddenly will care more about issues having to do with endangered species. Uh, Which I think there's a valid point to. Uh, Okay, yeah. Because I think that issues about exotic species such as tigers become more personal to you if you have held a little baby tiger. You know what I mean? That's just going to become more personal to you. And Carol Baskin argues that that's not the case and that you shouldn't you shouldn't have baby tigers. You shouldn't hold baby tigers. And ju- just for reference about how many baby tigers there are or how many tigers in total there are in North America owned by Americans in private zoos, not just Joe Exotic. There are more private tigers in North America than there are tigers in the wild today, which is either horrifying yeah. or great. Because on one hand, no. there's a bunch of nutsos out there, or possible nutsos, that own tigers, right? Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, that means that there, there's uh, a less likely chance of them going extinct. So, you know, there, there's kind of this trade-off here. You know what I mean? If you mm-hmm. breed more of them, they're obviously going to be less extinct, right? Yes, that's, the, how, that's how that works. That's how that works. And But Carol Baskin doesn't really care about that. And Joe Exotic, you know from the Netflix documentary seems to be a guy who really cares about his animals. Who takes good care of them, uh, gives them fresh meat. So he actually doesn't spend a lot of money on their food because he has a deal with a nearby cattle rancher that any of the animals that die, he'll send over to Joe. And so the tigers get fresh meat, which I think is good, right? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, or less, yeah. I mean, they're getting fresh food at least, right? Uh, yeah. 
but Carol Baskin disagrees. And so the controversy, and I've only gotten to the second episode, uh, most of the way through the second episode, is that Joe Exotic apparently ordered a hitman to kill Carol Baskin, which is obviously a bad thing, objectively. Yes. Uh, and so that that's kind of the whole debate. And did he do that? Probably, because, you know, he was convicted of it. Not saying the courts always make the right decision, but... Uh, I'll see where we'll see where it goes on appeal because then you know a lot of other stuff comes out. It's interesting. Everyone thinks that uh, Carol Baskin did it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean that that's what I've been hearing too. And I, you know, personally from the documentary that I've watched so far, I, I would say I'm a Joe Exotic fan because even though he's a little bit of a nutcase, he clearly is not somebody who's going to harm the animals. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, he, he's like a cat lady, but a guy. And instead of cats, it's, it's it, I guess it's still cats, right? But uh, cats, but bigger. It's it's cats, but bigger. So he's just like a kind of a super cat lady. But he's not a guy I'd ever see, you know, hurting the cats. He's not a guy I'd see, you know, causing any harm to that. People, on the other hand, I could definitely see him causing harm to people. Yes. Because uh, one of the things he said, he had a gun on his hip, and he said, they said, well, what's the gun for? And he said, people. And the, and the person, the interviewer, I couldn't see him or her, said, you know. Uh, not for the tigers, and he said, "No, I'd sooner shoot you than one of the tigers." <laughs> uh, which, and, and apparently, he told the local police chief, that, "You know, if you try to take my tigers, there will be a little Waco," uh, which is, of course, threatening to say the least. Threatening, yeah. Uh, so not a great thing. But on the other hand, if he's taking good care of the tigers and making sure they're not as extinct as they—I mean, they're not extinct—but making them less endangered by breeding more of them. I, I, I guess that's a good thing. I mean, species-wise, because, you know, he's making sure they're not going extinct, really. He's making sure that the, the genes promulgate and they're going to be around for a while longer. Uh, and so I think that's, you know, kind of an interesting thing. And I think that there's definitely some validity to what he's doing. Uh, on the other hand, on the other hand, Carol Baskin makes a point, which is that... Uh, he lives kind of an alternative lifestyle. He, mm. you know, according to his commercial, he does drugs and he's in a polygamous marriage. Okay, that that's kind of strange. No well, doubt. at least he's being honest. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I will take that counterpoint entirely because he didn't hide it. He, yeah. It's it's right up front. So maybe you're right. Carol might not have a point on that. But he definitely does live in alter, an alternative, uh, alternative lifestyle. Definitely an alternative lifestyle. Uh, you know, if, if the tigers weren't enough. but And then there are these other people that are in the uh, in the documentary who are also on private tiger and big cat exhibits. And here's really my question. Here's really my question. I don't understand from the documentary so far, and it, maybe somebody will explain it to me. Uh, maybe I'll get it eventually, but I don't actually understand how what Carol Baskin is doing is different from what Joe Exotic is doing. I, I don't get the difference between uh, owning her wildlife rescue place, which has the same kind of exhibits, the same kind of care facilities, and actually, according to the documentary so far, worse cages, worse enclosures than the other private zoos. So I don't understand the difference, other than the fact that Carol Baskin set up some sort of social media apparatus and 
you know, all this, all this, you know, kind of like a, I mean, they're all kind of, they all see, kind of seem culty from what the documentary has been hearing. So, you know, just that kind of thing. So that's, I look forward to finishing the series because it seems really interesting. And I, I suggest you watch it now because I want to, I want to get your opinions on it. Uh, but just from what I've told you, I want to, I want to know, I want to know your opinions. Um, I don't really know because you like even before I didn't I didn't quite understand what was going on since I I haven't watched uh, the series on it, but I know I feel like something suspicious is going on to say the least. Yeah, so overall, just something kind of strange, right? Whether it's on uh, Joe's end or Carol's end or at both ends, something suspicious is going on. You know, as. You know, I was in the, I lived in the, not lived, but I, I was on a, a, an extended vacation, let's say, to the American South for a while. And I lived in a, it felt, it was, it might have been three days and it might have been two weeks, but we stayed in a trailer park called New Smyrna, Tennessee. Hmm. And one of the things, and this is how it relates, and one of the things that one of the ladies would always say there is something ain't right. And that, that's kind of what I feel about with the whole situation there. You know what I mean? Just. Something ain't right. Something, something ain't going. That's just like that was the entire March mood. It, exactly. I, I would say that that's kind of that. That's kind of the theme for this year overall. Yeah. You know, just something ain't right. Uh, so, if there's anything you want to add, add it because I'm going to wrap it up just a little early today. Just because you know, we're, on the weekdays we're going to try to keep the episode just a little bit shorter, a little bit more concise, as the as the people say. So anything you want to add? Any any anything absolutely at all, even if it's completely unrelated. Uh, subscribe, subscribe to the Daily Diatribe. Thank you. I was I keep meaning to say at the beginning of the episode. So from now on, this is this is your new task. Say <laughs> that at the beginning of every episode to like and subscribe to the Daily Diatribe, which is not supposed to rhyme, but it does. Uh, um, I just instead of saying hi now, I'm just gonna say subscribe to the Daily Diatribe. Yeah. Uh, read today with our daily message, and that that's always going to be the daily message. The mm-hmm. daily message. Uh, you know, so for a closing song, I I knew what it was going to be. Actually, I do know what it is now. It, it is, you know, we're going a little bit old school. Uh, and, you know, I originally, you know what I originally was going to choose for the closing song? What's that? I was going to choose Eye of the Tiger, just, but I feel, I felt like that, <laughs> that was too much of a, that, that was just too much. copyright claims. Yeah, I definitely would. So, uh, you know what? We're just going to do an old Schubert Latin Mass. So thank you, everybody. Uh, Remember to subscribe to The Daily Diatribe. Remember to like, share, do all that jazz. And we will be here again tomorrow night on The Daily Diatribe with Red and myself. And maybe Incognito will come back. He's been busy the last few days. But thank you very much for supporting us. Remember to like, subscribe, as I've said like three or four times now. But you know you can't hear it enough. And watch that Netflix documentary, uh, Tiger King. It's interesting. But, you know, something ain't right. So enjoy Red. I advise you the same thing. Tomorrow, uh, I actually do know what tomorrow's topics are going to be. Tomorrow's topics, we're going to just get a little bit back into the news. I will discuss more what I've watched on Tiger King, and I will discuss some of what's been going on at Zoom School, what I will call Zool, but I won't because that's a terrible name. So thank you, everybody. Again, like, subscribe, share, do all that jazz, and have a great day.